I actually was detained in Heathrow for six hours. I have a blog on that. We had an ongoing ticket back to southern Italy. That was all cancelled. The other way that the lockdowns affected us uh, is we were going to volunteer at Glastonbury Festival this year. Oh. Oh, and that's, that's been cancelled as well. Yeah, that's uh, oh, that's horrible. That's the one of the worst parts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Quarantine Quality Podcast. My name is Adam. Today, Stan can't be with us. Um, we have, however, a very interesting guest, uh, Nila from Nila's Photography. Tell us a bit about yourself. Right. Well, I've been. I'm originally from Australia. Have Italian heritage. I've been uh, traveling for the last six years and um, have just got back to Australia. I've been living in southern Italy for about four years and traveling around, but we were coming back to Australia for probably about five weeks just to clear up some things here. Uh, and then we were supposed to go to the UK for a wedding then back to Italy and, of course, COVID-19 has destroyed all those plans. So that, yeah. that's been a, quite an interesting year, but it, obviously it's been an interesting year for everybody. Mm. I do have to point out as well, um, I, it was a very good answer because um, a lot of the times we, we do this on purpose, we just can say, oh, tell us a bit about you because it trips a lot of people. Yeah. And, um, but no, you, you handled that perfectly. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. This is uh, one of my first podcasts I've done, so I'm a little bit nervous. No, no, it's fine. Don't be. It's um, just a conversation, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. And I do want to mention, so you are um, a blogger and uh, you are yes. a, a, a professional photographer, aren't you? Yes, and my other profession is a technical writer. That's what technical. brings in the lot of, yeah, that brings in the money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a profession that a lot of people don't want to do. We write documentation. We we develop uh, interactive help for software. Um, all, okay. yeah. Uh, it's not like in the '90s where you had um, your help on your software, just mm. loaded a PDF file, for instance. Now you know that there's everything's interactive. Yeah. So that's that's what I create or design, and I do a lot on usability. Mm. Um, yeah, that's kind of my passion and that's my, like, my uni degree sort of thing. So, yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, that, mm. that sounds very cool. Um, yeah, I, um, I started a master's and I only had like a couple subjects to go and I exited with a diploma, postgraduate oh. diploma. Yeah. Uh, and that was like 10 years ago and now I can't get back into it. If I was going to really? finish my master's, yeah, mm. Australia's. Australia's got this thing that now if it's five years that you haven't been in the university, then you have to start all over again. Really? So you'd have to go on through an undergrad? No, no, no. You start oh. the postgraduate master's all over again. Right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Misunderstood. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, that's still annoying. It's still, well, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And time. So usually postgraduates are working by that stage, I think. I don't know what percentage it is, but uh, a lot are, and you don't have that sort of time to start it all over again. Yes, no. I kind of, it doesn't sit well anyway. Like you've done the hard yards up until that point, they should recognise it. Yeah, it does sound, 
a lot of effort just goes out the window if you have to restart it again. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sorry, I haven't really done a lot of research in that. I wasn't aware. <laughs> but I have looked at your portfolio of photography. Mm-hmm. There's so many places, I'm so jealous. Uh, have you looked at Manila's photography or the Image Earth Travel? Uh, Nilla's photography. Yeah, I haven't finished. I built that site and I haven't finished loading the countries on. There's about mm. 62 countries I've been to, I think. Oh, wow, okay. That's not many. Still got a lot to go. Well, I mean, in, in perspective, I'd say it's still a, a decent amount. <laughs> a very decent amount. <laughs> But I, I'm a very slow traveller. I like to really take time in a country and try and stay there as long as I can before moving on. That's That sounds like a very good philosophy to have. Do you like getting to know the culture? I'm guessing you, you do if yeah. you like to stay there. Yeah, yeah I do. Uh, and at least know a few words. Um, how long do you usually stay in, in, in countries? As long as I'm allowed to stay. Oh, because okay. of Yeah, because yeah. I'm an Australian passport, we don't get a lot of, like, say, for instance, in the whole of Europe, I only get three months, and mm. then I have to I have to exit for three months. Right, okay, I see. That's, sorry, that's actually, that's not quite right. It's three months in the Schengen area, which is about 26 countries. It's not three months in Italy, three months in France, three months. It's just three months in the whole 26 countries. Yeah, okay, I imagine. I think it's, yeah. How, um, what about the UK, though? Because the UK isn't in the Schengen. Uh, no, 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 it is in the Schengen area. Um, no, 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 it's, it's not, not in Schengen. Oh. Uh, Australians, when I arrive, I, um, I am granted six months. Mm, I, actually, okay. I actually was detained in Heathrow for six hours. I have a blog on that. Can I, can, can I say why? <laughs> Ask why? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so it goes back to my partner and I bought a motorhome, a really old 1997 Fiat motorhome. Mm. Um, uh, I think it was in 2015. And we went to Europe from the UK and travelled around there for three months and then came back in to Portsmouth and mm. Water Force guy that was on duty that evening, I think he was just having a really bad night and he mm. gave me such a hard time because he thought that I was an Australian that was basically, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this program. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, my colleague will edit this, he'll decide if you can bleep okay. it out. <laughs> Okay, so taking the piece, um, and apparently he was telling me Australians go into Europe for a couple of weeks and come back in, so they renew their visa for six months, mm. right? And, you know, we'd been out for three months. We had our motorhome uh, and all this kind of stuff, and he was writing a lot of stuff, and it didn't really click to me what was happening. So, I mean, he was really, really rude. He even went as far as to say, because obviously he's, he knew that um, my partner's English also. Mm. So he said, well, why don't you just marry your partner? Then you won't have any problems here in the UK. Oh. And I was thinking, well, that's not a really good thing for a border force person to tell me. No. And, then, and then, like, I was trying to get citizenship back then. Mm. And I had all my paperwork with him and I told him this is what was happening. And he said, oh, you should just, Italy is easy to get into. Just ask all the Brazilians that have had citizenships there. Uh, you know, it was really, really unprofessional. Yeah. 
So anyway, he stamped my passport and off we drove. But I was really, really angry at him and I thought, he's just having a bad night, so mm. I let it go. So then what happened was uh, a few months later we, we were actually going to Thailand to volunteer for three months. Okay. So we, we did that. We went to Thailand, came back in through Heathrow, and the border force person in Heathrow pulled me up, started asking me really aggressively different questions, and I asked her, I said, um, you know, what have I done wrong sort of thing? And she goes, well, see this stamp in your passport? That means mm. that the last officer had a problem with you. So this is why you're going to come with me and we're detaining you until further notice. And I'm thinking, what? oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So what? they, <laughs> it's a really, really long story, but it was pretty stressful and it yeah, was okay. just the worst, worst time that I've ever had experienced in 30 years of travelling. Yeah. <laughs> That, sound, that sounds terrible. Basically, when you're detained, you have yeah. no rights. You're kind of in this limbo position, as mm. far as I can understand, that um, you, can't, you can't ask for a solicitor, you can't do anything. They can detain you indefinitely until they are satisfied that um, you're, you're no threat to the country. Seriously? And that's basically, yeah, that's basically what I was told Whoa. On, that, that on that day. So they, they, the lady basically said to me, uh, we're detaining you until further notice, until someone can come and interview you because we don't know whether we're going to let you into the UK or you're going to go back to Australia. Oh, that, sound, that sounds like it should be some kind of violation of some law. No, right it's not. It's they awful. can do that in That's any awful. country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How, I have to ask, how, do you, um, how did all this finish how did it end okay so the first border force guy in Portsmouth actually put a flag on me that yeah. flag lasts for 10 years okay right? so uh, every time I transit through the UK yeah. uh, or even travel to the UK I can be detained I, I wrote letters to border force home office everybody uh, I tried the Australian embassy and they just will not take the flag off. Mind you, after the six, the six hours, I was interviewed pretty fiercely for an hour and mm. the lady took down like 21 pages of notes saying that this could be used in a court of law. Okay. Um, up, after all that, she came back 10 minutes later and said, oh, we've decided we're going to let you into the country. So I wasn't a threat at all. Hmm. But I still had the flag on me. That... Yeah, that seems odd that you were declared not a threat, but still yep. kept the flag. Yep. And then I later learned that apparently uh, Border Horse has a quota they have to fill for oh. detaining detaining people each month. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's 100% correct or not, but I've actually um, been online, researched it, as you could imagine, you would as well. Yeah. Um, and... It, the person that actually wrote about that sounded like he may have been ex-Border Force or he was still in the Border Force. Mm. The way he actually wrote the comment made me think that he was that and that there could be some truth in it. Mm. Yeah. If that is true, that's, that's very broken. Mm. That sounds very broken. Well, these days, I don't know. I think it's. I actually think it's harder to travel these days than it was, you know, twenty or thirty years ago. 
Oh, really? Yep. Oh, could I ask, uh, could I ask why? Not uh, only because of the regulations and the rules. Even mm. though you, before you had um, different visas that you had to acquire before you went to places or whether you're traveling in Europe, you had to, you know, you were stopped at borders. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, it just feels like um, these days that border force has a lot more power than they used to have. Mm. Maybe it's just my my experience from being detained. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I would not be able to tell you how easy it was um, a few years back. Um, I, I did used to travel quite a lot with my family as a as a kid. It was quite nice actually because my parents bought a motorhome and we went all over Europe. I th the I th we did actually go to southern Italy as well. So. Um, huh? To Pompeii. I don't know if you've been. Yeah, uh, uh, not to Pompeii. No. No. Oh, I I, yeah. I really like it, but I do like um, history and that that sort of um, Roman classic uh, or classic Greek as well um, culture. So that was really really good for me. It was amazing. People were fine. Um, I I probably was too young to actually know how nice people were, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't because I've mainly stayed in Europe. Um, being from Barcelona, it was quite easy to go go around. I think um, the furthest I've gone, well, I've only gone twice internationally, gone out twice internationally, um, Vancouver and uh, the States and then uh, a year later, Tokyo. That's oh, it. I haven't been to Japan yet. No. Oh, I, I would recommend it. I, I do have to say, I don't think it's a very uh, adventurous place. Mm -hmm. But it's really nice culture-wise. Um, well, you being from Australia, you may have some influence from Japan in, in products and whatnot. And me being from Europe, it's so far away. The closest thing to Japan having any influence would be anime, right? So uh, it yeah. was very different, very different. But I, oh, and food. Food is amazing. I loved it there. Mm, you like <laughs> Australia then. We have a lot of Japanese food here. Really? Mm -hmm. oh, in Brisbane oh, yeah. especially, yeah. That sounds really good. Mm, we have a lot of Asians that live here actually. Um, mm. So it's like it's uh, like a melting pot of different cuisines. We pretty much got everything. Yeah, but because it, it, it was so far away in the way of life as well because um, my, my girlfriend is Japanese and uh, we stayed with um, her, her family for some time and uh, Culture, because th that's the first time it hit me, you know, how, how different culture is. And uh, I mm. saw it firsthand. And to me, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask as well, um, which is the main point of the podcast, I guess, is um, how... Sorry, we digressed. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. No, but it was very fun. I definitely didn't know, you know, how bad Border Patrol was. So, <laughs> yeah. But, no, but, yeah. Let me ask the question, how has uh, COVID-19 affected you? Well, we actually arrived in Australia from Italy uh, on the 2nd of February. And oh. we were only, yeah, we were only supposed to be here for five weeks. Mm. Uh, and while we were here, because we were renovating a house. Yeah. So while we were here... Uh, obviously, the virus flared up and everything was cancelled like we had. Uh, we were leaving uh, Brisbane in, I think it was the 3rd of April. 
and we had to go to a wedding. So my partner's son was getting married in the UK, so mm. that wedding was cancelled. We had an ongoing ticket back to southern Italy. That was all cancelled. Uh, we had flights booked, buses booked, uh, everything booked, mm. uh, and it, it was all cancelled. Um, that's mainly how it's affected me. Uh, but I've actually been too busy renovating to really stop and think about what's, uh, I guess not what's going on, but to have mm. a really great effect on me. Plus, I, I'm really busy with writing blogs. Mm. So I, I just don't have enough time. I, it's funny because I, I see things online on Facebook and Twitter, how people are so bored and they're in lockdown <laughs> and they've got nothing to do. And I think, God, I've been so busy every single day that I've been here. <laughs> so, And we're in May, like June's tomorrow. Yeah, that is, that's crazy to think. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so that I guess that's the main way it's affected me. Uh, and not able to see... Visit friends and family is a big one. Mm. How um how about work-wise? Because we often we ask this question uh, every yeah. time we get someone on here, and lots of the times, like you say, they're either very bored, or in terms of work, they it hasn't really changed that much. It's just it, it was hard to adapt at first at home because I didn't have to go to the office like myself, um, but then it just got very easy. So it's now a new normal for everyone. How, how has it been for you? Uh, well, I haven't actually been working in a, like a paid job. Mm. I've been kind of working on my own photography and my, my posts and stuff. That's kind of self-employed. But mm. uh, I'm going, I have started looking for jobs here because obviously you can't really live in Australia without working because <laughs> it's got very expensive in the last six years. Mm, I see. Um, so with COVID-19 in Australia, what's happening is, is that there's a lot of people, a lot more people out of work. So that work pool is greater mm. and it is, I'm finding it a little difficult to pick up work this time around. Usually it takes me about, I don't know, four weeks mm. to pick up, to pick up um, contracts. I'm usually working as a contractor um, for government or for yeah, pretty much for government, sometimes private companies. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, it's been, I think, about five weeks, so maybe I'm a little bit anxious to pick up work. Mm. Uh, but the other thing I've really noticed is that a lot of jobs that are advertised, um, employers are rolling in two or three roles into the one job, so it's becoming a lot more um, expected of the person yeah. for a lot money because it's an employer's market here at the moment um they can do almost what they want oh i see yeah so I've, i have noticed that as a, a huge difference and a huge um change shift in the australian job market doesn't sound ideal no it's, it's honestly it's not a good environment to be looking for a job here mm. i don't think maybe in any country really at the moment because with businesses yeah. closing Yes, no, in the UK we find ourselves in a similar situation. Um, we do have the furlough scheme, if, if, if you've heard of it. I'm not sure if you yes. have that in Australia. Mm, 
they've got a little bit, but you have to jump through hoops. Mm. Um, it doesn't apply to me because I haven't been in the country and I'm, I'm not, I didn't have yeah. a job in the first place to yeah. lose it. Yeah, I see. No, so in the in the UK, um, we yeah. So we, even though we do have the furlough scheme, there's still um, when it first started, when we didn't have the furlough scheme, a lot of people became unemployed. I think, uh, while quite a few have found you know jobs like Tesco's or you know supermarkets stuff like that, there's yeah. still about a million people unemployed, which I guess it's not that much considering the UK's population, but still a lot really. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is. So, yeah, that's it's, a, the knock-on effect, isn't it? Yes, exactly. I've seen things online how um, uh, airplane pilots they've had to go to Tesco's because they have no work anymore and stuff like mm -hmm. that. They were, uh, I think, actually, at the beginning when all this started, um, a, a U, the UK, no, uh, some company basically who flew just within the UK borders. Um, collapsed they were a fly bee i think they were called um so you've yeah, had instances like that and this it's, it's been a big issue as well here even though we do have the furlough scheme which is it is a very good it's a it's a very good um scheme to have to keep things going to be fair yeah, it is i just wonder where afterwards if this mm. ever ends uh where are the countries going to get the money to uh recoup that furlough scheme mm. Yeah, yeah. They they're saying um, that in the UK at least it's going to be worse than the um, the Great Depression. So it's not encouraging. No, and here they're um, they're saying that unemployment's going to rise to ten percent or more next month. Oof. So that's starting to get really high here. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, that's that's why actually here in the UK they see uh, the Bank of England, I think, or, or the former head of the Bank of England said that the furlough scheme is is key to keep things going, because if if we lose the the furlough scheme, we just, people lose their income, so they won't spend on things when you know shops open back up, so yeah. it'll just everything will just stagnate again. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's not it's a it's a grim outcome, but um, yeah. It, 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 we went into a very grim topic. Um, we did actually, but I mean, it's on everyone's minds, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it's hard to avoid it, and I don't think you know. Uh, you know, avoiding it wouldn't be a solution either. It has to be recognised. It's not going to go away. At least we can expect mm -hmm. it now. <laughs> yeah, and we have to we have to address it definitely. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is. Um, mm. The other way that the lockdowns affected us uh, is we were going to volunteer at Glastonbury Festival this year. Oh, oh and that's, that's been cancelled as well. Yeah, that's oh, that's horrible. That's the one of the worst parts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done it three years. Oh, um, really? Yeah, as fire stewards, and this year we'd been accepted again, but obviously it's at the end of June and that's all cancelled. Yeah, mm. <sighs> that's awful. I'm so sorry. Mm. Yeah. Oh well, still here. <laughs> yeah, still. No, but at least if you've got to do it three times, at least you know it's not the first time around. That's no, not too bad, right. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see on their page some some people it's the first time they've ever been, and their tickets were cancelled, and they're saying it's going to be held next year. Mm. Uh, and I was so disappointed because this year was the fiftieth anniversary. 
Oh, okay. Well, it is special. Yeah. So they were, and some people that turned 50 wanted to do it to go over there for their 50th sort of thing. So, oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So sad. Um, okay. Let's start. What was your preferred destination? Uh, I'd have to say Southeast Asia, mm. uh, Vietnam and Laos, and especially the north of Vietnam, I'd, I'd like to return to. Mm, but what was your favorite part of Vietnam? Uh, I'd have to say Vietnam, probably Sapa, which mm. is right close to the Chinese border. Mm, okay. It's very, very mountainous and it's a little less touristy than the rest of Vietnam. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's untouched, so to say. Kind of. Sapa itself is... Um, got a little bit more tourists in it, but once you go around the region and stuff, it's fairly quiet, but it's freezing cold up there. No, and there's, a, there's kind of like this really grey mist that hangs over the town all the time as well, which makes it really damp, a bit like the UK. <laughs> <laughs> we took, um, I've got lots, of, got lots of photos actually uh, on my Nellis Photography in Vietnam portfolio. So I've, I think I've still got some photos there. And then I've written about it as well, so. Uh, what's your favourite food from what destination? What country? Yeah. Uh, Thai. Thai? Mm. Yeah, Thai food. Doesn't, doesn't Thai food have a, um, a fame for being very spicy? Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Oh, I don't think I could do Thai. No? <laughs> no, um, I am a very bland person. But when you travel there... If you go to the if you go to the places where there's loads of tourists, um, you'll get a Western version of Thai food, which is there's not very spicy at all. There's lots of coconut milk and stuff in it. So they oh, do okay. cater they do cater for tourists, and they change their adapt they adapt mm. their recipes to suit the palate sort of thing. Mm. Well, that that sounds that sounds good. But no, yeah. generally I do try and and eat stuff from you know t t typical from where I go uh, but so far you know exotic food wise it hasn't been i can't say i have a good portfolio of exotic food if i'm honest it's uh, like i say japan is the most exotic place uh actually you talk about exotic food i read an article last night about um a mm. particular cheese in sardinia that's banned in the eu it's really? called yep it's called uh castle marzu mm. and what it is is they have a particular cheese that's made out of sheep's I think it's sheep's milk and they open it up and let maggots go into it oh and the maggots eat the cheese and they secrete this creamy stuff and that ferments the cheese even more but when you're eating the cheese there's still maggots in it and it's oh, just really yeah what? <laughs> I know I'd never heard of it either no but it that sounds disgusting. It 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 does. Um, I can see why it's banned. <laughs> yeah, they said it was. Uh, I think one article said that it could be lethal, but oh, then really? the Sardinian. Yeah, but the Sardinians um, obviously don't agree because they've been eating it for centuries and no one's ever died from it. They say. Mm. So I don't know. I. I don't know. I I don't think I'm enough of a foodie person to potentially risk my life to eat cheese. 
<laughs> well, you've got lots of, when you travel through Southeast Asia, you've got lots of unusual things that you can try, mm. like rat. Rat? Have you yes. tasted rat? I haven't. My partner mm. has. <laughs> oh. I've tasted, um, I think they were like lo locusts, I think. Something, some sort of insect. They actually farm, in Vietnam, they farm the insect. I can't remember what it was. I think it was a locust. Mm. Uh, and uh, crickets, I think it was crickets, that's right. And they farm them and then you can go and do a tour there and they cook them up with chilli and stuff and they're very crunchy. <laughs> I've, I've heard that. I've never tasted cricket, um, probably obviously, uh, but I feel I could be fine with that. Does it, mm. is it is it true what they say that it tastes like chicken? No, no, it doesn't right. taste like chicken. No, it just yeah, I can't get my head around eating crunchy insects. So for me, it wasn't a really nice experience. Oh no! If you can't, no, that doesn't sound good then. No, they're cooked and they don't move around, so that's a bonus, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if I want something that moves around. Like, um, I know France eats uh, frog legs, and if you put salt on them, they still move. I don't think I can really? do Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's something to do with the nerve ending. So the salt reacts with um, the nerves of the of the leg, making it move. It's very odd. I tried that when I was at school. We went to a French restaurant, and um, I don't remember that bit of it, but it, I remember it tasting like chicken. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think I would want to eat frog. I don't know. I've never been presented with the opportunity either, so I'd never have to really choose if I want it or not. It's always been, <laughs> would I do it? I guess, maybe. <laughs> uh, sometimes if you're in a particular situation, you haven't got a choice, though. Yeah. It's rude to, it's rude to say no. Mm, you might yeah. offend the person, the culture. Have you been in that situation? Not yet. Yeah, that's good. I, I don't really, think I would what I, wish. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, uh, the rat situation, they asked me and I said I'm a vegetarian, so, but oh. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way of getting around it. <laughs> yeah, so they accepted that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, that is ingenious. Because yes. you're not declining it, you're just saying, oh, well, it, again, it goes against what I believe or something like that. Great. Yeah, they don't understand that. But um, if you say, yeah, that's right. If you say you're <laughs> vegetarian, that's fine. Um, hmm. I do want to ask then, do you have any recommendations for first-time travellers? Maybe someone who wants to do backpacking. Did you, you mentioned you've done backpacking a while ago, right? Or I... uh, I've done it. I yeah. pretty much do it all the time. Mm. So do you have any recommendations for people who want to start? I, I always have used a backpack. I've never not used one. So mm. countries, all countries are okay with a backpack. I mean, you might get some strange looks, like in southern Italy, where I am, usually in Cosenza, you get strange looks walking through the main city with a backpack because they're not used to foreign tourists there. Um, no. But then I, I don't really worry about that. Yeah. Um, it's not like a... Um, a look of disdain or anything like that. It's just uh, inquisitive looks. Mm. They don't get a lot of backpackers down there at all. Um, but apart from other countries that I've been to, uh, yeah, you don't have really any problems with a backpack. I don't think anyway. But 
I like, uh, like I said, Southeast Asia is really a good region to travel in, especially mm. backpacking. And a lot of the countries are used to backpackers there because it's, it's a lot cheaper to travel there. How do you find actually um, traveling with a motorhome? It's pretty good, actually. I really like it because it's um, you're kind of moving your home around with you and you don't mm. have to look for uh, any type of accommodation apart from a campsite. Uh, yeah. The only thing you have to, like we travel with our motorhome over winter period, so that was a bit difficult in some places because a lot of campsites close over winter, especially in yeah. Italy. Yeah. Um, that was a bit of an issue, especially in southern Italy as well. So we did. We, the furthest we got with our camper van before we ran out of time was uh, just south of Naples, a little place called Puzzuoli. Um, mm. And then we had to turn around and we waited there for citizenship papers and all this sort of thing that never eventuated. So my, my um, I was actually, I think it was seven or eight days late on my Schengen exit. Oh. And I did, yeah, we exited through France and I didn't get, um, I didn't get pulled up for it, which was really lucky, actually. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> because if you know anything about Schengen, um, they can, if they, if the country pulls you up, hmm. we were in, we were in Cherbourg, um, so ready to take the ferry across to the UK. But if a country decides, you know, they're going to fine you, I, it's up to the country how much they fine you for, for overstaying. Plus, they can potentially ban you from the Schengen area for up to, um, I think it's up to five years. Oh. Geez. Yeah. But, but I have this, my partner always jokes because the chap, the border guy that came through, I just smiled at him. He was French and a policeman. And he reckons it's because I smiled at him that, you know, we got through and I didn't get hassled and all the rest of it. Mm. We, only, we only got hassled at the other end in Portsmouth. <laughs> That's, um, no, that does sound like it. You know, I've actually, I, I think I'm think, I'm just thinking about a story now. I just, you made me think of it when you said, you know, you got hassled at Portsmouth. For me, it was a similar situation, actually, because, well, similar, no, it wasn't similar in any way, but... Um, I was not allowed to go into the UK at one point because I forgot my ID. Um, um, yeah, and it was it was very annoying. It was again border patrol. Actually, I have had had one bad experience I can kind of relate to with um, border UK border patrol. I because I I still have a Spanish ID, but it's expired now. I haven't I didn't renew it because I have to go all the way to Spain to to renew it. Uh, so I usually use my British passport. Um, since my yep. mum's British, I get uh, you know British citizens, uh, citizenship Citizen, by descent. Yep. So I was going to see my family in in, in France. They were travelling uh, travelling up by motorhome. I went by ferry on the train uh, to the port to catch the ferry. I realised I forgot my passport, but I still had my ID. Mm -hmm. Now me because it. I was five minutes away from the port and an hour away from the from, from where I used to live to go back and get my passport. I decided to go and ask Border Patrol if this is okay, if my ID is okay. Um, I don't know why I thought that it's expired. You can back at it now. It wasn't a good idea. But at the mm. time, I thought I'd ask. And I asked and they said, yeah, that's fine. No worries. Uh, they let me get on the, um, the ferry to France. And it was fine until I had to come back. Uh, 
the French Border Patrol said they can't allow me to go back because I don't have a valid ID. So I had to stay there for an extra day while they verified my my identity. It yeah. was not good. And I, I, I do blame British Border Patrol there because the French were just doing their job. I, yeah. At the time, I was naive. I, I will admit I was naive. But at the same time, they could have just said, I mean, if I had to pay a fine because I'm missing the, um, well, like, you know, uh, a fee because yeah. I missed the ferry or something like that, and so be it. But yeah. the the French said they reckon they just want to, uh, really, they just want to get the people out. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. That, that, that was very annoying. That I wasn't, I wasn't scared. I, because, I mean, at the time I was at uni as well, so I knew there was... There are many different ways I could prove that I'm living there and I'm doing what I have, you know, I'm doing what I have to do there. Mm. But it was still very frustrating. Yeah, I think they try and they've got a knack and they love to try and um, catch people out. But mm. then a lot of times people are just nervous. They haven't got anything to hide. They're just nervous. Yeah. But it's almost like they try and um, just keep poking you to try and make a mistake if you. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, why did you ask me about what it was like if I liked traveling in a motorhome? Are you because, thinking of buying one? Uh, no, no. Oh, gosh, no. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't buy a motorhome just yet. I um, I actually don't have my car license yet, so I drive oh, a, okay. a motorbike. <laughs> right. But um, I asked because um, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I used to travel with um, a, yeah. a motorhome with my family and I, I just really loved it. Um, mm. Certain bits. I mean, for me, there was a big thing, um, which is it, unlike for you, it, it didn't feel like a house because uh, my family's a family of five and it was a very right. small motorhome. <laughs> so having my parents there, my two brothers and the dog um it was really close it was a very close space it was very small so that wasn't that wasn't good mm. but traveling by motorhome i i thought that i i really appreciate my parents doing that because it was um it was really it, it was amazing it was cool i got to go to france italy um go to up to germany so some of my friends haven't been able to do things like that for instance but, but they have uh, whatever other cool tech or stuff like that whereas me we went with my parents on a little old motorhome I think it's 21 years old now so it's wow. not very new and I just thought what you what you thought about it because it's um something I can relate to in a way yeah I love it and it's it's mm. one up from, it's one up from camping mm, yes it's a bit more luxurious than camping but I don't mind camping as long as it's not raining but mm -hmm. um yeah, um, but being in a motorhome is, is pretty cool, actually. I, I enjoy it. We're talking about um, when we get some jobs and get some money together to probably um, buy an old one here and maybe do a circumnavigation of Australia in it. Mm. Oh, that sounds, mm. that sounds really good. I wish I could do that. Mm -hmm. Well, especially that now we, you know, international travel is, we don't know what's going to happen with it, do we? Yeah. If there's going to be a lot of restrictions being introduced, it's going to be harder to travel and, you know, have all these different things that you need. Maybe it's time just to travel around in our own countries. Yeah, that would, uh, yeah, it's uncertain. <laughs> they, they're mm. saying uh, keeping the middle seat on, on airplanes empty, but then that's not really good for the airline. It's, it, then they don't make any money even if they fill the plane. So I don't no, know. No, they still, if they're going to do that, then they still have to increase the tickets to 
accommodate for that empty seat, don't they? Yeah, that's that's why then, you know, people won't want to buy, well, it's already, I think generally it's about £70 to go to Spain, 150 if it's expensive. I don't feel like if they double the price, people won't want to go. So it is a tricky situation. Mm, it is. Maybe it's also a way for governments to keep their people in their own countries. Yeah, I guess. Um, although people, um, countries like Spain and, and to a certain extent Italy as well, they would, I don't think they want that. They would lobby against that very heavily because um, I don't know about Italy, but, uh, but Spain really relies on tourism. Mm, really, a lot of really parts, does. Well, the northern part of Italy does, but and Sicily mm. does, but where I was, no, they don't have a lot of tourism at all. Mm, I see. That's why it's a poorer part of Italy. Mm. I think actually the, the I know the Spanish government is in some kind of talks with um, people uh, businesses in the business um, in, in, businesses in the um, hospitality industry and stuff like that and tourism. Um, I know Japan actually they are considering partially paying for people's fares to encourage people to go to Japan, but I don't. It's not clear yet whether they'll. It, that's just for t Japanese citizens or people visiting Japan. Yeah, I read about that. That'd suit you, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you have the opportunity, go. Um, but like I say, it's not very adventurous. I mean, it depends. I guess it depends on which part. Um, if you go outside the cities, then that's fine. But be prepared. If you do go, be prepared to be stared at a lot. I don't know if you found that in um, Southeast Asia. But when I went to Tokyo, um, a lot of people were looking at me. Yeah. So it's many. just part of traveling, I think. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mind it. I remember, and I don't know if I was being rude, but I, I thought it was funny in my mind. It, this, this old man, um, he, because we were not in Tokyo, we were like outskirts of Tokyo, so I don't think they were very used to seeing Europeans there. And I remember yeah. this old man was walking by and just blatantly stared at me while he was walking by. So what I did is just stared at him back. So the situation was I was turning slightly as he was moving along and he was looking at me as well. And um, yeah. I found that very amusing. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way to handle that situation. That's what we do all the time, actually. Yeah, I don't think it's, it should be taken offence. I, I don't mm. see that as an offence either. It's, don't want to look at me, then it's fine. Make me feel yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, thank you for your time. Um, we can continue talking if you want. I just thought, because um, it's, it's already been an hour almost, so I don't want to keep you more than you want to. <laughs> That's all right. It's been lovely to chat to you. Um, you know, we can do it again another time if you like. Thank you very much for inviting me.